0: while you remain standing with us turning your bibles wait a minute everybody get your cell phone hold your cell phone up all right everybody turn it off i felt like saying everybody throw it, throw it away but just turn it off let's give god the respect that he is due and undivided attention in the house of God. Thank you. Romans chapter 14 is where we want to go tonight. Now, I really don't plan on being here all that long tonight. Um, but I do need to get through this tonight. And I'll do my best to say what needs to be said and then close my Bible and we'll pray and Go home and eat pizza. In Jesus' name. Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Listen carefully. For none of us liveth to himself. No matter how isolated you feel, separated by circumstance, none of us live to himself, and no man, that's used generically, or woman, dieth to himself or herself. Look at verse 8. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. I want to talk to us for a few minutes tonight about living for God, living for God. Let's pray. Father, we love you, praise you. Thank you for just this incredible environment. Feel your spirit, your glory, your power, thankful for your people. Touch those that are not here tonight. For whatever reason, God, I pray that you're with them as well. And uh, touch us tonight in a special measure in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It's almost kind of become a catchphrase for us as apostolics when somebody says, I'm living for God and i want to believe you are i believe i believe you are but the phrase living for god has to be qualified so that we can understand really what god expects and to determine whether we really are living for God for not. And if we are not living for God, we shouldn't have our feelings hurt. We should be convicted. And that's a positive thing. That is not condemnation. But we should be convicted to make whatever adjustments to be living for God. Um, that is not almost right. That is right we're living at the end of an age where people are wore out with information but there is no information in the universe that matters like the word of god and so i really do believe that we are have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this and as a spiritual Leader and a spiritual practitioner, it is my responsibility to remind us um, to reiterate from time to time some of these qualifications. Um, I believe that a person that is a saint of God, biblically a saint of God, and that's from God's perspective, is an individual that is genuinely living for God. They're not living for themselves. They're not living for the world. Um, As this scripture states here in this passage of scripture, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. That is a positive thing. The Apostle Paul said to be absent from the body is to be Present with the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible insurance policy. An incredible insurance policy. There are probably um, the best way to describe this tonight would be to describe this as spiritual characteristics. Um, When somebody goes. To the hospital or goes to the doctor, the very first thing they do is check your vital signs. They want to make sure that you are okay. Um, And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight what the vital signs of a person that's living for God are. I have three different areas. There might even be more than this. In fact, um, in thinking about this tonight, I was thinking, you know what, there's actually more than three, but I'm just going to talk about three tonight. The very first one, a determining factor of whether you are living for God or not, is that you are expected and required to be consecrated. Um, to my surprise, the word consecrated, consecration, is, is only used a handful of times in the Word of God, but make no mistake, its fingerprints are everywhere in the Word of God. It simply means to be consecrated, simply means to be dedicated. It means that you are dedicated to God. I can appreciate people that are dedicated to their employment. I can appreciate people that are dedicated to to higher learning. You're looking at it, well, it's, it's, it's a chapter in my life. I'm doing this to get somewhere else. I understand all of those things. But all of them, all of them are subservient, are in second place to a person that is truly living for God. A person that is truly living for God is consecrated. They are dedicated regardless of employment, regardless of employment, regardless of education, regardless of anything else in your life, it it answers to the fact that you are living for God. Consecration means dedication to the service and the worship of God. It includes obedience. It includes submission, accountability, It includes being devoted to following God's Word, God's ways, and God's will. We talked about that on Sunday. There's a lot of misconceptions in our world, not necessarily in the apostolic ranks, but there's a lot of people that quote the Word of God that are completely ignorant or void of understanding about God's ways, and God's ways... Is is a byproduct of knowing His Word and being led of His Spirit. There are many religions in the world today that believe in being consecrated. Um, I don't follow this by any stretch, but there is a incredible religious holidays all over the world, some of which are attended, most notably. Uh, by Muslims in, in Egypt or Saudi Arabia, one of those countries over there. And it is an incredible thing to behold. They all walk in a circle um, around a very, very holy place. Um, and they are consecrated and dedicated. They pray three hours a day. Um, I was in Istanbul um, several years ago. Uh, I was with a group. Oh, let me get this out there, okay? We are putting together right now um, a trip to the Holy Land in um, 2024, in November of 2024. And we are getting all the information uh, together. We can take up to 50 people from this congregation, Okay. Um, and we have the choice of also going into Jordan, and and visiting Jordan. Of course, we have a Jordan in our church. Uh, man, you guys are really off tonight. Either either I'm really high or you're really off tonight. But anyway, I want you to be thinking about this. It's a once in a lifetime uh, trip. One of the most incredible apostolic tour guides, Brother Johnny King. He's been to Israel and given tours, I don't know, maybe almost 30 times. And um, he's got his doctorate from University of Birmingham. He knows this stuff. We're going to have a great time. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. So consecration and being dedicated is something that the religious world knows a lot about. Let's look at Hebrews chapter number 10 and verses 19 and 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us. The difference with us and every other religious group. And when I say that, I'm not being critical or making fun. I have a burden to see them come to God. I have a burden to see everybody. I got a phone call this afternoon, uh, a friend of mine. He owns a a store downtown. He, in fact, his store is at River Park Square. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for years. He invited me to go to his church and hear some, some concert and all this stuff, and I just almost felt like, Weeping, how um, he's visited our church and, and, and loves our church. But I'm thinking, I need to set this Bible study up with this guy because, because he needs to understand truth. Are you thankful for truth tonight? At the end of the day, it's all about the truth. Let's give him praise. Let's give him praise. I don't ever take it for granted. I am a first generation apostolic. It is by the grace of God that I'm here tonight. And I love it. And I love God. Hallelujah. Genuine Christianity is something that has been made available by God. And God empowers us to be consecrated it is the only if i could put it this way and i'm just saying this comparatively it is the only religious movement in the world whose deity personally empowers us to live this life it's amazing god furnished the sacrifice god furnishes the power god furnishes direction God furnishes his word, God furnishes blessing, God furnishes deliverance. God I'm telling you, you cannot you cannot lose with this. All oh, let's clap our hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. One of the aspects of being consecrated and dedicated is attendance to church. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. You cannot claim your individuality. This is is something that is sorely missing in the 21st century. There's a lot of people that think, you know, I go to church. You are thinking about that in denominational terms not apostolic terms. And we're thinking, I go to church on Sunday, da, 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 and, uh, and I'm not, uh, thank God you do, but I'm just saying that that coming together, having the revelation of what this group of people is, this is not just a denominational church where they say, oh, it's just the pastor, and that's just old Joe, and that's old brother Darian with his pink shirt. Thank God it's a solid color tonight. You you have to you know you're maturing when you're looking beyond all that and realizing this is a divine thing. This is a this is a God given group of people. It's the church of the living God, and the Bible said, "Not forsaking the assemble." Assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another, which that is a particular type of exhortation that cannot be found outside of that environment. Which means that in this environment, you're only going to get some things that you cannot find either on your own, praying in your living room, or anywhere else. It has to be in the context of God's people coming together, and then God gives revelation, and God gives understanding, and God gives this, and God gives you the word you've been looking for, and God gives you your answer. so much more as you see the day approaching. I've actually started to consider that we're not having enough church. Now, I absolutely love one service on Sunday. I was raised where you got something to eat, you went home and took a quick nap and you got ready for evening service. And when you got out, you got something to eat and got ready to go to work the next day. There's a lot of people that are jealous that we only have one service on Sunday. Shh. So, if we added one, once when when great Revival breaks out and it's going to, we're still in our acclamation period. I've been through it more than a couple times already. So I'm just I'm just waiting. It's going to happen. Do you realize when revival hit across the street, we were averaging twenty five to thirty visitors every service? One time, I got a call. This is when Brother Aaron Mayo was still in this congregation before he went to Cornerstone South. He said, Pastor, we counted 65 visitors in church. The devil is trying to choke us. He says, you got this big building. It can hold a lot more people. And I'm just going to choke this and, 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 and make you try to think it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work. God's already said it's going to happen. We've already had evangelists prophesy that have never even been here before, consistently prophesy that don't even know each other. Come on, clap your hands. Lift your voice. Backsliders are coming home. Your neighbors are going to pray through. Family members are going to pray through. God's going to shake this thing one more time. But, 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 if we add a service, it'll probably be on Saturday night, be a revival service. There is not one person in this church that said amen. You are spoiled. We are not doing this for us. You don't live for yourself. We just read that in the book of Romans. I know we're in the 21st century with all these conveniences and all these contraptions and all this technology, and we just feel like I could just keep on living and I don't really need anybody else. I'm going to tell you something. You don't want God to have to remind us that we're part of a bigger program. We are His hands, we are His feet, we are His eyes, we are His ears, we are His mouth. Anyway, don't get nervous. It's a ways off, but I'm just thinking that we're not. Mm, mm. We need more church. Why not? I need more God. I need more. More. Gra- he giveth more grace. He giveth more, 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 more. There are also daily practices that a consecrated person does. Go to 1 Timothy 4.13. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, till I come give attendance to reading. Look at your Bible once in a while. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous that too many people are not even bringing their Bible to church anymore. I think we all ought to bring our Bibles to church. Oh, pastor, we've already heard that. You, I'm telling you, that's dangerous. If it's not for you, just tolerate it. It might be for somebody else. Yes. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Next verse. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. There's just some things that a consecrated person does. You read your Bible, a consecrated person gives to God according to the word of God. Look at Malachi chapter number three. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. There's a lot of people that I I think That what a lot of people think is, and it's just human reasoning. There could be a variety of different reasons. But I think that there's a lot of people that just think, you know, I just can't do it this month. You know, things are a little tight. I'd rather give God what's his. So you can get blessed on the back end and you're going to find out you're going to make it every time. But to be presumptuous, the word presumption means daring. Like bless, just the way it is. I can't do it. And then you're seeing other people get blessed. You're watching other people experience blessings. My brothers and my sisters, this is not the church's money. It's God's money. And the person that truly lives in that principle will tell you that they have never suffered want. God has been there in the good days. God has been there in the low days. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible where God said, prove me, try me, test me. The thing of it is, the people that don't pay their tithes don't have enough faith to test God. Because if you did, God would blow your socks off to prove to you. This is what a a person living for God, a person living for God, they're a biblical giver. It's not a question. It's not an ordeal. It's not, we're not going to make it this month. A a person that's genuinely lived for God is not living on the edge of panic and destitution. God might find you in poverty, but God will never leave you in poverty. That is a horrible witness of the God I serve. That is not a witness. My God, I feel it all over me tonight. Poverty is not a witness. I rebuke the spirit that came in from our culture. You're saying everybody's after my money. If it wasn't God, you wouldn't even have a job. You wouldn't even be sitting there tonight. You wouldn't even be taking a breath. Let everything that have breath. Come on, somebody give him praise. You're not in a wheelchair tonight. You're not using a cane tonight. You're not laid up in a hospital bed tonight. You haven't been given 24 hours to live tonight. There's strength in your body. You're cognizant. You're aware. Let's give God praise tonight. In tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. If God doesn't have your finances, then God doesn't have you. If God does not have your what, what, Where's that in the Bible? You ready? No man can serve two masters. Either you're going to love one and hate the other or flip it around. If God does not have your finances, that doesn't mean that God's expecting you to give 100% of your finances. But there's a constant awareness and thankfulness. (laughs) Be careful. Unthankfulness is real close to unholiness. Real close. In my Bible, it's about a space. And once every once in a while, just like the folks in Malachi. What's God? believe that anybody would even, would even, they may not say that. They might just think in that. Okay, what's God done for me? Are you, are you breathing? Yeah. You got clothes on your body? Yeah. Do you drive a car here? Yeah. You live in a house? Yeah. Do you have a job? Yeah. Why don't we just go ahead and praise him for all that? Why don't we start counting our blessings? And it will help us. God, I could have been told I had 24 hours to live, but I'm going to live for you forever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, you, I know you know this stuff, but this is what it takes to be living for God. A consecrated and dedicated person understands the value of repentance. God's forgiveness, his mercy, his grace, his humility. A consecrated person loves their brother. And when I say love your brother, I'm talking about love your sister too. Love everybody. Pastor, is it okay if I love somebody a little bit more? Yeah. But just love everybody. Hallelujah. A pastor can't afford to, you know, play games with that stuff. He's going to love everybody. You might be sitting out there tonight saying, that pastor don't love me. You probably don't know what love is. Somebody wrote a song saying, What does love, what love got to do with it? I'm going to tell you, the love of God is everything. It's everything. It's everything. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Ghost. It's everything. And that's why the devil works so hard to separate us from the love of God. But what does the word of God say in Romans 8? Nothing. No thing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Why don't we just love him? He loves you tonight. Regardless of where you are and what you've been doing. If he loved us while we were yet sinners, how much is he going to love us when we obeyed his word to become his sons and daughters, a whole bunch, a whole bunch. Consecration is the very first qualification to be living for God. When somebody says, oh, I'm living for God, here's another one that I've learned through the years, okay, and I've learned some things the hard way. Somebody says, oh, I love God. Well, okay. Okay. I learned the hard way. Don't ever tell somebody they don't love God. I just tried to get a little smarter in my old age. I remember one time uh, we were on Broadway, and there was a woman that just got baptized, received the Holy Ghost in the service there. And we were walking outside, and she said, oh, yeah, God called me to be a a missionary to Africa. I've never seen this woman in my life. Never seen her since. She said, oh, yeah, God called me to be a um, missionary to Africa. I said, oh, okay. And she started looking in her purse for something. Yeah, yeah. The last church I was in, God called me to be a missionary. She pulled out a pack of cigarettes and lit up a cigarette right there. I just thought, okay. Okay. A consecrated and dedicated person is one that witnesses understanding the condition of humanity. And you shall be. That's what a consecrated and dedicated person is. And finally, a consecrated and dedicated person is known by their fruit and by their works. Look at Titus chapter 2. Verse number 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Man, brother, Harold Sargent's probably the most famous guy in that street he lives on. Shovels all their snow or blows the snow or Works on their house and friendly. He's zealous of good works. Hope that's okay, just using the example, because I think it's amazing. Okay, second qualification or, yeah, second qualification of somebody that's living for God. First one is consecration. Second one is communication, prayer. Somebody that is consecrated, somebody that is living for God has a prayer life, not just looking for a fire escape and looking for an answer for all the problems. If you're wondering what that is, that's a Volkswagen bus on the roof. No, that's the air conditioner making sure that you're you're comfy. You know we care about you. We want you to be comfortable. Don't want you you know great beads of sweat on your brow. Want you to be comfortable. Padded pew, lumbar support. PA system is just right. Elbow your neighbor. Tell them to wake up. Comfortable. Seventy degrees. Pastor, why are you guys doing all this? I want people to be comfortable. So I can talk to you about living for God. Prayer is absolutely essential. A person that will not or does not communicate with God is not living for God. And the reality of it is, brothers and sisters, prayer is a privilege. To be able to talk to the living God of the universe is a privilege. Nothing can replace a daily prayer life. Let's look at Ephesians chapter six, verse number eighteen: Praying always with all prayer and supplication in. The Spirit. Look at Jude chapter one. Well, Jude's only got one chapter, verse twenty. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I want to. I want to stop here to say this: praying in the Holy Ghost is critical. Um. And it was a while. I was a new convert. It was a little while until I learned to pray in the Holy Ghost, before I got a breakthrough to pray in the Holy Ghost. There will be millions and millions of people that will be lost in eternity that visited apostolic churches, but simply were too impatient to learn how to pray, I mean really learn how to pray, to where prayer is enjoyable and you you enjoy God's presence. And because your faith, the the reason why a lot of people don't pray is because their faith, they don't have the faith to keep going. But the Bible said that you will build up your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost, once you get in the Holy Ghost, your faith will soar and you can begin to believe God for things that you did not believe God for on the other side of prayer. And once you get a taste, if God ever answers a prayer, and He will, if God ever answers a prayer for you, it will completely change you. It will change you on a level that nothing else can do. Most people, most people, I've done it. You pray, you know, okay, I know I need to pray, so I do pray. I want to pray. I pray for about 10 or 15 minutes. I start thinking about all the stuff I got to do, and at some point, I jump up and go do the stuff that I was thinking about doing. Oh, you're going to let me be the Lone Ranger up here, huh? Now, all of you have done that, but there's other times where you realize I am not stopping until I get a hold of the hem of his garment. And when you get a hold of the hem of a garment, something moves, something, there's a displacement. There is a a flow of the virtue of God, and that convinces you. God allows that because God wants to encourage you to pray that way every time you have a need so you come boldly. You don't backslide. You pray. To a person that is always up and down, up and down, that is the indicator they never learned to have a consistent prayer life. You will not backslide if you pray. You will backslide if you quit praying. And so a person that's truly living for God has communication with God. I'm not super intelligent. I'm not super good looking. I don't have much going for me. But I've got a revelation that God called me out of darkness and that God loves me. And ladies and gentlemen, if that ever becomes a revelation, not just, not just a thought, that's in a nebulous of other thoughts. But when that comes becomes the thought and you embrace it and that becomes part of your foundation of a, of a cre- your new creature in Christ, you will be unstoppable. And so I want to encourage you to do that. God will meet you there in prayer. And it will become a lifestyle In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, but you cannot be living for God and not have a prayer life. Not only is that a prayer life between you and God, but that also includes a public prayer life. We have prayer meetings here um, tomorrow night. We have prayer before every service. Ladies and gentlemen, this stuff is drying up. There's, There's... there's hardly any churches that even do this stuff anymore. Like we have designated one night where we just want to come together and pray. We are, we are not letting go of that. When I get too old that my false teeth don't work anymore, the pastor that's going to come behind me, he's going to have that revelation that we are not going to change anything. We are going to have one night where God's people can come and pray together as a body. That is an apostolic privilege. And they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly, that came on a whole group. There are things that can happen. This has got to be a revelation to people that have been either brutalized or they were were mishandled in other churches. you, You have to ditch that revelation. That is not how every apostolic church is. It is a biblical revelation that when we get together and we pray together, something happens. That is an apostolic privilege of the church. In Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison and they're praying at somebody's house. And guess what happens? An angel gets Peter out of prison and leads him to the gate of the city because the church was praying. Now, Dorcas needed glasses, okay? Because Peter came to the door and Dorcas wasn't too sure if it was Peter or not. She hadn't been to the optometrist. Never mind. I'll spare you. Everybody said prayer. Everybody said prayer. Please, everybody said prayer is a privilege. Let's give God the praise. God will meet with you. The God of eternity will meet with you. He loves you. He wants to spend time, He wants you to know Him. You know what, you went into it with an attitude like that, nothing is going to happen. Well, God didn't answer my prayers, so I'm mad at God now. Your problem is, is you're only seeing it from your perspective. If you get in the Holy Ghost and see it from God's perspective, you'd say, whenever God gets ready, I'm good with that. I'm cool. I'm right where I need to be. Our selfish little taunts and the Everybody do that together. You finally came alive. We throw our little fit to God. That doesn't move God one bit. When we finally get really serious and say, "You know what? I'm turning my phone off. I'm I'm closing the door." I'm getting on this floor, and I'm going to get a hold of God. You watch God move heaven and earth, and God is going to come off that throne, and there's going to be angels in attendance, and God's going to be right there. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. A person that's living for God, praise. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and say, he's almost done. Even though you need this. Number one, if you're living for God, you're consecrated. Number two, if you're living for God, you have communication with God. Number three, if you're living for God, you're separated. Biblical separation is found as a requirement of God's people in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We have quite a lengthy reading here. Go to Second Corinthians six fourteen. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? Do I need to add anything to that? I remain unconvinced. Well, pastor, my friend asked me to go to the bar, so I went. I was trying to be a good witness. Be a witness in the parking lot, not in the bar. You're supposed to be somebody that got a victory over the bar. So you're sharing with your friend. I don't have If you, some people ain't got enough power to knock a gnat off a windowsill, and that's why nothing is working. And then they begin to question God. Well, I don't I don't know if this is all it's cracked up to be. And the devil's saying, I got him, just just all it's gonna take is a little push, and I got him. Listen, this is everything this book says it is, but you have to play by God's rule. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. We're not going to enjoy the things in the spirit if we walk in the flesh. We're not going to be able to enjoy his blessings if we're tight-fisted with God. We're not going to be able to. God's not going to change his rules for a 21st century spoiled culture. And you are the most intelligent people in this in this city. Yes, you are. Look where you are tonight. I know what you young guys are thinking. My mom and dad made me come. Your mom and dad are smart, and you're smart for letting them make you come. I'm just, I'm just having fun, but you understand what I'm saying. Do you understand? Do you understand how quickly the world is falling apart? You and I are completely protected and insulated. I've got scripture to prove that. person that's living for God in this hour is the smartest person I know because they are completely unaffected by a world that is rapidly becoming reprobate. They cannot judge. They cannot judge. Um, I heard just yesterday, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, I'm actually working on a message right now, but just yesterday there was a movie was released, and it was released to AMC is the largest movie theater chain in America. The movie, listen, listen to me carefully, the movie is entitled "No Way Back," and it's about pe- the haunting effects of people that that transitioned back to their original gender, and the absolute hell that they are living with. AMC. It, w- it was it was an absolute movie. They pulled it because of the protest, the devil doesn't want people to see. Separation from the world and worldliness is a defining characteristic of somebody that's living for God. Let's go to 1 John 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That does not mean you can't enjoy going fishing. That does not mean that you cannot enjoy going shopping. And my wife is a world champion shopper. Um, we were somewhere a while back. She's going to get me for this, but it might benefit somebody. So my pain will be your blessing. We were somewhere. I I thought, I am going to be, Brother David, I thought, I'm going to be a good husband today. So I put on walking shoes and my shopping attire. And I thought, I am going shopping with my wife. After six hours, I said, are we done? She said, nope, I got a couple more places. Ah! That does not mean that you love the world. It just means you're trying to hurt your husband. does not mean you can't, it does not mean you can't have something you enjoy doing. We're talking about a priority and a preference of life. And when it comes to a priority and preference of life, there is nobody. That is going to take my walk with God. There's nothing that's going to take that place. And there's nothing that's going to take the place in your life. You already know that. You already believe that in your heart. That's why you could have stayed home today. You could have been a lot of different places. But you're in the house of God. And in some cases, that is exactly what hell hates. Because you're telling the devil, I'm still here. I'm still dedicated. I'm still living for God. I still have faith. It's not all perfect, but I'm here. Come on, clap your hands and give God the praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Go to James 4 and 4, please. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. That's how God views people that love the world. He, he views people that love the world as committing spiritual adultery. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity. That means to become an enemy of God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Surely there's nobody like that here tonight. When we talk about separation, we're also talking about when you're living for God, we have to talk about lifestyle and home life. Satan already knows that if he can get somebody's house, and when I mean home, I'm talking about the family. If the devil can get the family, then he's basically, he's basically got everything. When we, when we come together and congregate, in reality, in reality, when we come together and congregate, what you're, what you're doing is you're having people that all have the same, same lifestyle, but we're congregating together. And that's what the Bible talks about when it's talking about being in agreement. And when you're in agreement with God, there is no stopping you. Just look at this building. Do you realize we bought this building during COVID? We, we 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 did a retrofit during COVID. We finished it during COVID and we had revival coming through it. We had our very first summit after COVID. There were some people going, you know, I I I I don't think we should do anything because, you know. The virus came out of China, and, and Congress is all messed up, and they're requiring masks, and they're requiring. Listen, the devil has got more tricks in his bag. He used COVID to get rid of one man out of office. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry. That's exactly what it was. When they, couldn't, when they couldn't get him with this Russia thing, then they came up with the virus because they fear one man. Because Why? Because he believes in God, apple pie, and baseball. Pardon me for getting so politically motivated there. But I'm just excited. I don't, I I will not accept all the credit for this. I would not have been able to do one thing if it wasn't for a congregation that said, let's do it. Let's do it. The devil said it can't be done. Let's do it. The government said it can't be done. Let's do it. The world is saying it can't be done. Let's go for it. Come on, clap your hands. Give God the praise. We are enjoying this, and we're going to see revival together. Why? Because we said, let's do it. The power of agreement. When we talk about having godly lifestyle and a godly home, we're talking about a home that's free from Hollywood. If you sit around and watch movies, you are not going to want to pray. And what you're doing to the next generation is irreparable harm. worldly entertainment. You know, something has to be said about these video games. Oh, come on, pastor. You're preaching against everything. If, you, if you've if you got a video game in your home that uses the Lord's name in vain, get that out of your house so you can be blessed and not cursed. Lest you be a partaker of another man's sins. And some of the st- Trash coming out is profane. It has nakedness. Your kids, if they're watching you play that, then they're going to think, well, I can do that. And all of a sudden, well, I don't know if we're going to church tonight. Okay, let's play a game. And the devil's the devil's smiling. Worldly sports, every single major league baseball team except one, the Texas Rangers, had a gay pride night. Major league baseball. Mom, New York Yankees, a pride night. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, 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 you know, Freddie Mercury sang a song that has become the anthem. We are the champions. No time for losers. They are not going to rest until, and it's not equal rights. It's, it's till people bow. Ladies and gentlemen, we ain't bowing. There's only one God. God. There's only one name. There's only one gospel. In fact, if those people will come on in here and feel the love of God, they'll say, where have I been all my life? Woo! Let's all stand to our feet and clap our hands to give God the praise. God, we love you. God, we praise you. God, we give you the praise. Thank you for allowing us to live for you, making everything available that we need, the power, the spirit, the entrance, entrance into the holiest of all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I am done and you are happy living for God. Consecration, communication, and separation. Let's love him again. God, I love you. God, you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. God, I pray you strengthen the weak here tonight. I pray, oh God, that you are strengthen, heal, deliver, empower, give joy where there's sorrow. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us this incredible eternal opportunity to walk with the invisible king of the universe. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow night in Jesus' name.